powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 72 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we continue our alphabet series and look at songs that begin with the letter C. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick Kai priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend of balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrelies, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mimento 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. And if you follow Cigar Coop, we have a continuing series, which is called the Aganorsa Experience. And that will take you to the uh, Aganorsa Leaf YouTube page, uh, where you can learn a lot of good information about Aganorsa Leaf, their brands, their farms, their factory. And uh, this month, we're highlighting uh, a gentleman by the name of Harold Zeladon. Uh, he's a factory manager uh, for the Aganorsa factory. And if you uh, want to learn a little more about Harold and his role, uh, just click on the sidebar in Cigar Coop. Uh, there's a picture of Harold there, and uh, it will take you to the YouTube page, and you can learn all about him. And don't forget to visit uh, Aganorsa Leaf at uh, aganorsaleaf.com. And, of course, want to mention our friends at JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of Cosa Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasaran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aro took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years of experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and his son Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Honduran-grown Cramaroon, or Albano wrapper, representing the Golden Age of Cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, all legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Thursday Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, Episode 72, this early June edition. This is Will Cooper. I am in the palatial Perdomo Cigar Studios here in sunny Indian Trail, North Carolina. And I'm joined by my... Good friend, colleague, and co-host 
Uh, on the other side of the world, outside Brisbane, Australia, a very chilly morning in Australia. Mm. Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. I got the fleece on. It's uh, it's frigid. It's like probably like I don't know, forty-eight or something. This this is the part where you know you look at how far apart we are, and that's the mind-blowing part of this, right? Because you know, being in the U.S., everyone is going getting ready to go into a air conditioning season, you know, yeah. and and here you are bundled up <laughs> on on a uh, Sunday morning in Australia. As we I were- know. I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I was in America, I'd probably be a bit hardier. Yeah. Because like 50 degrees wouldn't necessitate such fleece wearing, but. No, no, it, it, it's true. Oof. It's true. Oof. It's true. Yeah, that's the truth. And, uh, you know, you, interesting, when you look at Southern Hemisphere, though, you're still pretty far uh, from the pole, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's places further south that are probably much colder uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like we went to Tasmania, which is like the furthest south in Australia you can get. Right. And uh, it was like snowing and stuff there. It was. Uh, and wow. Then that was like when it was summer up here. Wow. Now, now Tasmania is part of Australia, right? It's not a separate country. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. it's an island that's part of Australia. Right. Yeah. right. It has uh, there's penguins on it. Coop. You can see oh, penguins. Wow. So I've seen pictures. It's just beautiful. Hobart's the capital, right? Yes. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Now, you fly there or you take a boat? You could do either. We fly there. Uh, you could take a boat there. But, I mean, we we, uh, we usually fly usually fly into Hobart or Launceston. Uh-huh. Uh, most of the island is a national. Like, half of it is, like, just a big park. Oh, wow. So it's not that he- highly uh, heavily populated. I mean, it's a lot right. of a lot of national park and forest and stuff like that right so i imagine like like it's kind of the equivalent of like me flying down to the caribbean you know it's like the yeah. same distance probably for you yeah know, yeah i mean the one thing you gotta that's that's hard to wrap your head around here is like i'm used to in america where the further south you go the hotter it gets but yeah here, the further south the go the colder it gets. yeah exactly yeah wow that's uh yeah but I have, I can say, I've, I've seen pictures of, of it, and it looks beautiful. It's nice. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, very, uh, you know, it's a. Uh, I, I know there was always that. I remember it now, and I remember this. The trivia question is, which is bigger, the country of Australia, or the continent of Australia? And I, it was ah, a, it's actually the country. I knew it was that was the reason. Well, there why. you go. Yeah. That lots of uh, lots of whiskey there. It's oh, big really? whiskey. Yeah. Wow. 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 So uh, when was the last time you were there? When were we there? Maybe like a year ago. Oh, OK, it wasn't that long ago. Then. No, but uh, yeah. So, you know, you'll, you'll probably have to bring your cigars because I don't know if you can get any there. But once you get there, you got right. uh, some nice whiskey to pair it up with. That's a good deal. Good deal. Yeah, that's a that's a good deal there for sure. Um. Uh, yeah, so no, that's that's good. Um, I know our friend the surgeon will be talking about developing palatable. I know he was down in Houston this week. So, oh, was he? Yeah, surge. Yeah, I think he had a business trip down there. Ooh. So, uh, I know he was hanging out at this place called Stogie's of Houston, which no, is like, oh, yeah, which is the Lancero store. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so he was in his element all week, like smoking Lanceros. They had that whole 
Lancero like mine, didn't they? The H town yeah. is that? Yeah, it? they still. I think they still do them like the time that. But they have a huge inventory of that stuff. I mean, look, even if you're not like I'm not the biggest Lancero nut like he is, but if I was going there, I'd smoke. That's what you're gonna go smoke. You're gonna smoke their Lancero. Oh yeah, because they're unique. Yeah. I had the what was it the four kicks in that? It was really well, that's good. Like, that's like the ultimate unicorn. Yeah. The, I tell you, uh, Room 101's Namakubi Ecuador was was great in that size. Mm. Alec Bradley did a Nika Puro in that size. Um, there was some good. Yeah. Uh, what the 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 old man with the uh, the Neanderthal? Yeah. Yep. That's right. The OM. Yep. That was cool. Oh. Yep. Did, yeah. Did, that was, no, didn't uh, Nomad? Did Fred do one? Fred did one too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were. That's a great. I should get some of those. Yeah. That's a great. That was a great series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if I don't, you know, I think you may have to call the store. I don't think he's got a good website. I have to look see if he does have a website. I'll it used to be. A, check it out. Because didn't um, did Laranja do one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and I, I know he was. I know uh, Surgeon was smoking a um, a Murcielago. Yes. In the which, oh yeah. Which let me tell you, that is really good in the Lancero that blend. Man, any that blend in anything. I yeah. love, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get some of those. See, that's yeah. the problem with coming on the show, Coop. You remind me of all the cigars I need to buy. Yeah, I and I just really like I remember send you stuff too, uh, which is um, which is you know fun too. Yeah, it was always fun like sharing cigars with people. Oh. Um. So, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah. That was uh, you know, like I said, I saw him smoking down there this week. So he's back up in Calgary right now. And uh, All right. I'll be seeing him in a few weeks. So, Oh, good idea, Serge. Yeah, yeah the just, show. It, yep, we'll, we'll be back at the show. And, uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. Well, let's 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 uh, let's get into it so that we can get to the your uh, cigar news on the show. Yep, yep. Uh, um, just in general, remind you about the email, cigarjukebox at gmail.com. Send me your comments requests for shows anything you like there was a disney request a while back Coop. we're gonna have to figure out yeah uh we i know uh the two guys we can get for it uh are my two producers kma and smooth draws disney fans um so i i I think they would both do our show with no problem so yeah we have to address that disney probably sometime after pca will do it but yeah i would say we had that uh requested yeah we have had that one requested so uh so yeah, I know uh, Paul, who's the KMA producer, just got back from Disney, and oh. Chad, who is my Smooth Rose producer, is down at Disney this week. Those hey. guys like are like as Disney as they come. Those nice. two guys, uh, they're the, good guys. The, oh, they got I gotta love the Disney. I give Disney yeah. so much of my money. Yeah, we also had a British metal request. I didn't even tell you about that one. Oh, not, so, I did not uh, hear that. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. All right. Yep. So we've had. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. A British rock and a metal request. Let me go back to that. Okay. Right. Right. That's right. What it was. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. So I will talk to you about Ooh. what those are as well. So those just came in actually in the last week. Man, like 70s British rock. That'd be really good. Yeah. So, yep, it would be. It would be. So one uh, actually the one that came for the British rock was from uh, uh, Kevin from Rockefeller Cigars. And, All right. And the one from metal was from Alvaro of Oscar Valadares. Uh, so ah. we maybe we may have a couple of DJs that could kind of work with us on those shows. So, uh, yeah, they both have, they both like I saw them both in the last week and it was weird. Hey, hey, would you guys consider this as a jukebox show? I'm like, yeah, I think we would. I'll talk to Dave, obviously. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I'm just I just was writing those down. So I didn't yeah, uh, yeah. use it. Yeah. But yeah, so I, so, I mean yeah, and then two, don't worry, people, we gotta work it out with Hector. But we yeah. got the Nirvana album archaeology. Never yeah. mind. I'm gonna That'll talk to Hector and John this week, so I'll let you know what they're thinking. Uh, yeah. but we will be getting that that uh album archaeology show in. So that's uh, in the works. Yeah. And I did hear complaints about Nirvana winning, by the way. And I'm like, well, you know, vote, man. Vote. And I said that. I said, I said, whatever it is, like, and I kept saying the Metallica fans were sitting on their hands in that one. Well, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people might not have wanted them to win for whatever reason. But I don't think you could argue that you can't argue to win. It's not one of the best albums of the night i mean you can't argue it yeah you can't argue it It, it, i agree with you on that um it's not like some random out of the blue no 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 nirvana like i told hector he 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 it was a worthy winner and he won it he won he that was the best album in this tournament oh and it wasn't the only the only person who came close was dr dre dr dre was the only one who there was that one moment when nirvana looked like it could lose and it was with dr dre uh, in the uh, in the Elite Eight, so and that and that album too, that's like a top five album at least of that yeah. decade. So yeah, it's not, that was no slouch album. No, no slouch album either. Um, did you see? Speaking, you know, one of the final fours was a uh, was Alanis Morissette. Did you see what's yes. happening on Alanis Morissette's as a new album coming out? No, no. It's, but it's going to be a meditation album. Oh, nice. So it's going to be kind of this trance music. And there already is one song out on it. And I think it's dropping the end of next week, the album. I'll check it out. Yeah. So I just saw this yesterday. Uh, and um, the uh, like I said, I, I think um, that's going to be interesting. And it's, it's like I said, meditation. It's like kind of trance, relaxed music. Um, I believe it's more instrumental as well. I'll have to check it out because, I mean, the, the her previous album that was quite good yeah yeah no this is gonna be uh this is a a very you know i wonder i wonder how i i don't know the, the album's called the calm the storm before the calm oh so uh so yeah and it's a there's already one single that dropped of it and it's meditation music that's all i can tell you it's good med- you know, if you like meditation music i'm not saying i do i, I could take it in doses is what i could say all right. Well, uh, I'll check it I, out. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, right. So that gets us to the to the website. So I haven't put up reviews lately because I've been a bit busy. And it was a big week with the hair. We did a Harry review and then a Harry album review and then a Kendrick review. So yeah. there was a lot of stuff. I mean, those um, are two so, big albums that yeah. dropped last month. Harry Styles and Kendrick. Are, those are big. That was big. Big. So I'll be back to reviews this week. Uh, so check out that for new music. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just get right into it. PCA Coop. Yeah. Um. You know, we, I know we've been talking. We always try to do some cigar music news, and I think we've been a little more skewed on the music news. Um. I'll drop a few things that have been going on. Uh. You could read more on Cigar Coop on it, but um. I'll actually, if folks were tuned in to the interview with Steve Saka. On Thursday night, Saka dropped his uh, all the releases he's doing at the trade show. So uh, mm. he's got the Western Saka Bewitched coming out, mm. which is a blend he did for some store in Massachusetts that he's taken national. 
Um, he's got a new Stillwell star coming out. Oh, really? This is going to use a holiday pipe tobacco blend. Oh, you no, know, because he said there's always a lot of holiday pipe tobacco uh, blends that come out. So yeah. he's going to incorporate one into a new Stillwell star. And then the Mi Carita Black is going national. And the first size is uh, a size that he had in the blue line for, uh, I think, famous or something like that. But he's going to, mm. uh, I think it's like a seven by 50. It's called Saka Khan. So, yeah, so Saka's got releases. Um, there's no photos or anything yet. Nah. Actually, the Bewitched is already been announced on Coop, but the other two haven't yet. So, so that's some exclusive news that you'll have on 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 Coop as far as that goes. Uh, mm. Crown Heads hasn't announced um, their releases yet. Uh, they're expected to have a PCA exclusive. Uh, Ace Prime did announce their uh, yes, one of their, yeah, that's the Maria Lucia, which mm. um, I know you haven't a chance to talk to Luciano yet. I think he's another guy who'll be a candidate for the show as a guest. Because he goes, but uh, yeah, that's a Connecticut Broadleaf box press uh, that's mm. coming out. Um, another release. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just wondering with the Ace Prime, was that the Sergeant that they did? They did the Sergeant last year for the PCA. Now, now how are you on that? Because that cigar, I've heard differing opinions on. I liked it. I don't think the Palace guys really liked it. I like. I we our team, the Coop team, thought it was one of the better cigars at the show last year. Okay, I like it. It's a big ring gauge. It was like a fifty-eight. It's a big ring gauge, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I I don't want to speak for Aaron, but I remember Aaron wasn't as high on it as the Coop team was last year, or the rest of the Coop team, I should say, was. Um, so, but yeah, they weren't as high on it. But I liked it. It's not mm-hmm. clear if they're going to be doing more. It sounds like they're going to release it again, but no, maybe okay. not this year. All right. Yeah, but I I like the sergeant. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some sergeants for you. From the show and they cracked. They didn't make Ooh. it. I mean, I'm not gonna send you a crack cigar. I mean, you got to pick hey, here you go. Yeah, I yeah. thought about like, yeah, I thought about pecting, but I'm like, nah, it wasn't worth. Yeah, it just they would, you know, it didn't survive I'll it. Out it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if you're an Alec Bradley fan, and they've kind of, Ooh. you know, talked about Harry Styles and Kendrick Lamar coming out ever. <laughs> you know, Alec Bradley, I think is another. They come out in the cigar end from now and ever. They, hey, yeah. they have a cigar called the Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf coming out. I saw that. And it's homegrown Broadleaf. Um, mm. So not only is it, that's, that's rare. I don't think there's been a major release with that leaf grown in Honduras. So no, I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah, so, I, I'm definitely yeah. interested in it as well. Um, and I'm just going to read a, I'll, I'll read a couple of other ones. Uh, Christoph's got a, a PCA exclusive, the Signature Series. Um, and, um, my father's got the Florida Los Antilles 10th anniversary. There's like so many excuse of that. Yeah. And this is going to be LE. And then Le Bijou 1922 has the, uh, Cien Anos limited edition, which are two special sizes Ooh. of tweak blends of the Le Bijou. God, I love that. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, and yeah, so, uh. And then Pete's got a Pete's got the Tatawai PCA exclusive coming out. Mm. So uh, a lot going on, a lot going on. We're going to mm. see, I think by the next couple of shows we do here, there'll be a lot more announcements here. I mean, unfortunately, the way it works is Cigar Fish now is just, they're getting a lot of exclusives. And when they get yeah. it, 
they they don't allow companies to talk about their own to products. Talk about it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, and look, I've had some, I've had some frank conversations with companies, and some of them are honest with me. They say um, we have a long relationship with them, yeah. you know, and and that's the way it is. Um, I don't mind that as long as they'll give me the information. It's the ones that like they just go silent on you because they're afraid yeah. that they won't get a rate a top twenty five rating. Those are the ones I have the issue with. Yeah, and, and you guys know who you are because we've had that conversation. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I uh, I was thinking as you were saying that for Alec Bradley fans out there, because Alec Bradley was on the now or never list, probably for <clears throat> two or three years. Yeah. Like we, we got to make something happen here. And then and then bang, they came out with like, uh, I think the I think Blind Faith and then all that just started. Yeah. Magic just toast. Like, yeah. Took off. But they have a sampler coming out, a chunky sampler where it's that four by 60 size or four and a half by 60. Yeah. Um, of the magic toast. I think the gatekeeper, uh, Kintsugi, and then possibly the, uh, a, uh, a black market, black um, market. And, um, I, I'm looking to see what the fifth one was. But you get on that, like that sampler looks awesome. I don't know if it's out yet. It, but I it saw just it started shipping. It just started shipping. Um, that looks great. And I'm telling you, there was a lot of interest on the on the Coop website on that one. Um, it is an eight. It is an eight sampler of the oh the Gatekeeper is the other one. Yeah, because that yeah, looks 10, right? amazing. Gatekeeper, I love. I haven't had the Kintsugi. The um. I know for the for the Magic Toast Coop, I think that might be my favorite Fatola in that blend. Is that yeah? That cool? one was a little hard to get because it was up in Canada that size, I believe. Yeah. So I uh, mean, no, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't. It was a it was a black market. But, um, yeah, I uh, I I think this has been. I'd say it's gotten a lot of interest on Coop with it. Um, Abe from Smoke In told me a lot of people were inquiring about it. I oh, was yeah. the Ruben. I was with the Rubens a few weeks ago, and I was telling them about the reaction on it. And they were even a little surprised, even though they said, "Yeah, we got a lot of orders." They were surprised to hear some buzz on it. People uh, love that size, man. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is, um, I have a friend. His name is Chuck. Right? Mm. Chuck is a big Alec. His favorite brand is Alec Bradley. But we all Chuck's a big hefty guy, and we've called him Chunk for years. <laughs> and I've told him, I said, "Look." I, I talked to those guys. Made they named him. the cigar after you. Made for him. I mean, they named it after you. I, no, it was actually, I told the Alec Bradley guy, I said, you know, I told him the whole story. I said, I have a friend, we call him Chunk. And, he, and his favorite brand is Alec Bradley. No, and he's like, really? I go, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, that's it. That is exciting. I mean, yeah. the other, now that this is turning to the Alec Bradley corner, but we'll quickly move off it. The other cigar I had of theirs that I really liked is the the box press Magic Toast is very. Oh good. my goodness! I told him that too. That was yeah, a really. Great. So you got your hands on one of them then? Yeah, I, I I got one when it first came out. I don't know. Yeah. I think they've been a bit harder to find since. Yeah, harder. I mean, I gave it a ninety. I thought it was solid. Um, I still put the round robusto ahead of it, but but yeah, that box press was pretty good. It's a great uh, blend. Yeah, it's a good blend. It's a good. It's definitely a good blend. Also, you mentioned you know the chunk. We didn't. I didn't mention as well. It is coming out in the double broadleaf size as well. The double broadleaf really will have a chunk. Yeah, I gotta try. I'm excited about this cigar. It's good to be excited about Alec Bradley again. Is what I gotta say. It it is. It really it is. Um, they're a good company, and they're good people. Um, 
so I'm happy about it. You know what's interesting, though? I wasn't as big a Kintsugi fan as a lot of people were. I haven't Kintsugi, tried it. Bear loves it. Ben loves it. I think it's okay, right? But I don't think it's as good as Gatekeeper or Blind Face. No, I think the I think the palette guys are like you. I, I think they were like it's all right. Yeah, but Kintsugi has kind of opened up a whole new market for these guys. Oh, okay. Like like a lot of the cigar geeks went to Kintsugi, really? and they liked it. So okay. I think it's been a big hit for them in that way. I think doing, I think branching out and doing Blind Faith and Gatekeeper was genius. I think that really yeah. helped the brand a lot. I think, and I think the Suns have had a lot to do with it. Um, um, you know, I think what they're doing is they are provide. I don't think they're coming up with like, I, don't, I mean, yeah, they're, they're blending, right? I still think they have great blenders at Alec Bradley, um, uh, you know, their father and Ralph. But I think what they're doing is they're they're kind of getting them out of the comfort zone that maybe they've been in for a while as a company and kind of getting them to do some of these like experimental cigars, you know, like a broadleaf. Uh, you know, the Project 40s use Brazilian tobaccos. Mm. You know, Alec Bradley, you, you always can look at their blends. It was a Honduran wrapper, Honduran yeah. Nicaraguan binder, Honduran Nicaraguan yeah. filler. And that's that's been their formula for as long as I know. Now you're seeing some of the broadleaf blends, Brazilian. Mm. So so they're starting to expand a little with that, I think, and get out of the comfort zone. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of comfort zone, you know who's not in the comfort zone? That's Davidoff with the uh, developing palettes review. No, they were not kind to that. <laughs> not as not as brutal as they were. <laughs> all. So so this year, this week, they reviewed the Davidoff limited edition. Excuse me, the Davidoff Winston Churchill limited edition. Yeah, 2012. Church, yeah. 2012. No, 2022. Yeah. But they weren't as hard on it as a 2021. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Yeah, they did not like it, though. No, uh, there was that. Uh, and then it turned into sort of more of a commentary. See, people need to watch it because then it sort of like morphed into this discussion about Davidoff as a brand, like just in general. And uh, it was it was interesting. Yeah. You know, I think there was a point with Davidoff. Um, They were kind of getting they got a little stale for a few years. They were re-releasing old cigar after old cigar. And it kind of got boring. Right. Uh, They didn't have like the innovation pipeline they used to have. But something has been missing on the limited editions over the last few years, mm. like for the new stuff. The new ones are doing, they just, there's something missing. I can't put my finger on it yet. But I've seen this with not just this line, but with, with the, uh, the Zodiac series. Uh, yeah. The new Chef's Edition. Not bad cigars, right? But they're not these home but runs be, that were coming out yeah. a few years ago. Um, yeah, they had a big discussion about that. So that was, I found that interesting. I mean, Davidoff for me, I'm almost priced out of it, to be honest. Like, because the, la- the last Davidoff I had was the Nicaraguan. Or maybe yeah. the, maybe the, what was the one after that? Escuria. Uh, yes, that was probably the last uh, one I had. I, I could probably send you some Davidoffs. Um, hopefully they're not aged out too much. I have a few. Like the yeah the Yamases uh, yeah because like even like because they're talking about it on the show like you're looking at Davidoff to try to pull a cigar that people love they're like twenty some odd dollars or something and it's like oof. yeah but uh, but I mean, yeah, these yeah. are thirty these are over thirty these cigars God. they're not like the Winston Churchill 
Let me look at the price at $34. Yeah. Church, they're, man. they're not cheap. No. Uh, so that's very. So, no, that was uh, they did. Uh, so people got to watch that. Go online. I like going online because you can see everybody's facial uh, expression. But you can get them on podcasts as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, check, they, out they the... check, check out developing palettes. Um, but yeah, they they did. They went off on that cigar. They went off on it. Yeah, they were not. Um, yeah. You know, and when you start hearing Seth in June sour on Davidoff. Well, I think Seth might have been the highest score and it was like five point four or something <laughs> like it wasn't. It was like even the highest five, score was five. Yeah, even yeah. the highest score wasn't great. But June, I mean, June and Seth are the Davidoff fanboys on that show. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, well, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, Surgeon had a five eight. But here's the thing: a five they, they, they're scoring, you know, is all different, right? So, yeah. like a five seven, a five eight by Surgeon is bad, right? Yeah, yeah that's some kind. Of, I think it was the, the draw and every construction really helped that cigar out, I, I believe. Oh, it's, you know, it's, I have it. Uh, it's a nice looking cigar. Oh, it looks good. Yeah. 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 I have to review it still. Oof. So. Uh, um, but that goes into what are we smoking now, Coop? Yeah. Um, I'm smoking the I picked because we're doing the letter C tonight. Yeah. I know I just we just smoked this Ben and I on smoking syndicate, but Casa Magna. Let us see. Uh, this is the Colorado in the uh, Robusto size. This has been, I think, the best cigar I've smoked in the last couple of years. Really? Uh, for, yeah. I mean, the way they are smoking better than ever. Uh, it's the only 93 I've given out in the last two years. Um, they're consistently performing well. And, you know, this is a cigar. It's been out for a while. Got cigar of the year in 2008. Yeah, but, um, it's it's it guard I'm reaching for right now uh, a lot. So we smoked the uh, Toritos size, which was the uh, which was a like five and a half by 60. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. But the Robusto is still the standard. Um, this is the one that when Cigar for Child picked the Robusto as number one, they got the size right is what I tell people. Oh, nice. So uh, it's a really good cigar. Um, this is one I should actually send you a couple of these. I have some more of these because they're, they're that good. I think the last time I had that was maybe a year or so after I got Cigar of the Year. You know, it was either the, the year of or a little bit after. It was the last this time is I had a cigar it. that smokes better in the second and third thirds than the first third. Oh, wow. Okay. So the first third's good, right? But it goes up to it, second and third. The second and third thirds are just really where this cigar's at, is what I tell nice. people. Nice. Well, I remember really liking it. But I think that's yeah. the last time I had it. But I always remember liking it. But I don't know if they're getting better tobaccos. I don't know what's going on, but they're smoking right. at another level is what. I, and and uh, Aaron Nielsen confirmed it. Ben's confirmed it as well. Ooh, um, okay. they, they agree with me on this. They're definitely smoking at another level. Well, I am uh, talking about developing pallets. I got this cigar because they um, raved about it so much. Good. I know it's really good. This is the Mi Carita. Tricky Tracker 4x48. So a bit shorter than something I usually have on the show. I'll try and sort of slow down a bit to keep it going. But um, yeah, I I, I usually this is I like a short. Um, So this is a little bit of a smaller ring gauge than the firecracker. Because they um, I don't because the firecracker is what, like a 50, isn't it? 
it's a three by three and a half by 50. Yeah. So, so it's a little, little thinner, but a little longer. Yeah. yeah. And I love the original Mikarita, the blue one in the firecracker. So I'm very excited for this, uh, this cigar. I've had one, but uh, I'm very excited about it. So here's where it gets confusing, right? So mm-hmm. me, Karita, they did a firecracker, mm-hmm. right? And Sokka tweaked the blend, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they re- and that was the trick, but the tweaked blend was the tricky Traka blend. So then what he did is he came back and said, hey, I want to use this blend, but I won't do it in a firecracker size. I'll do it in these other sizes, right? And that yeah. was when had to, the, the tricky Traka was born. And then he did one more firecracker release where he changed the color of the band from blue to red. Yeah. So, so it got yeah. really confusing, right? That size is the closest to the firecracker, you know, in in mm. you know in size and width, right? But I also think it's the best, I think it's the best impression of that blend. I I agree with Aaron on this one hundred percent. All right. It's a good well, I like it was the best like cigar soccer did last year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. It's taken me a little while to come around on the Mikarita, I have to say. But I'm a big, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big. Now, I smoked that Mikarita black. See, and that, yeah, because yeah, he did it for JR. Mm. That's the one that's coming out the show. And in my opinion, the black is not as good as the blue and the red. Ooh. But we'll see what happens at the show. You know, I just I just thought I, something was missing lacking from that black blend. Yeah, I mean, the red's a bit amped up. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see because no, yeah. I mean they're great cigars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, but, they uh, are. Yeah, they I are. I got the I got the short. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited about you smoking that because I think it's a uh, it's a good I think it's a good size of that blend. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to try it out. Yeah. Bears um, have nothing but bad luck with smoking the tricky trackers. I'll just leave. Oh it. really? Yeah. Every he's like construction issues at times. And... I'll figure it out, Bear. Um, <laughs> what's going on? It might be operator error. In yeah, that, uh, in that respect. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I almost lit up a crown heads tonight. Um, oh, but um, I think I just recently smoked the crown heads. That's why I just said I wanted to mix it up, and then I ended up picking Casa Magna, which oh yeah, I smoked oh, that yeah, even more recently. So I felt hey. so I felt bad, but uh, yeah, we got we we'll we'll, we'll make the love back up for crown heads. Well, so. well yeah, there'll be plenty of time. Yeah. I mean, the dedication show is always them all the time. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. and I know I have the Calaveras review coming up pretty soon, so just stay tuned for that. Mm, not, I guess I the new Calaveras will be announced pretty soon as well. I would Ooh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it like instantly. Um, yeah. now Coop came out with this letter C, so he started the Alphabet series forever ago and then got sidetracked. Yep, doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so we're back to C now for me. The alphabet series has been a bit harder than I thought. This was very easy for me. I could have had a, a hundred songs on this list, Coop. Finding them with C seemed quite a lot easier than some of the other letters. Yeah. You said it, de- it definitely was the easiest of the letters we've done so far. Um, you went safe, you're saying. You said you went a bit safe this time. Well, I went safe this time. What happened is there were so many songs that I love yeah. that are yeah. in my comfort zone. I had a tough time shedding stuff. Yeah. Um, I tried to go a couple places a little different, right? I tried to, I went with one very deep track, which we'll talk about, but um, I just kind of, you know, I was like, well, do I try to find a country one and a, and a, uh, a jazz one, a folk one? You know, I was like, but 
in the end, there were, this was a really tough one to ignore some of the songs that were in there. Yeah. Um, and so I went safer this time, right? But I probably could do another C show easily. I could probably do you and I could probably do three or four C oh, shows uh, based on this, right? And I keep looking at what we left off, uh, and there's some big songs we left off. Um, some I left off because I, I know one song like we didn't cover was Nirvana Come As You Are, because I, I figured we were going to do that in a few weeks. I left that off, too, for the same reason. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So this is not necessarily the, the songs that may have been left off for one reason or another. Someone just may be overlooked as well. Um, now, did, now I, I, uh, I still have my artist, and I'm trying to get to every letter. Did you, did you still, were you still able to find? Yeah, but you skipped the Beatles. I put your Beatles one in for you. I did. I skipped the Beatles. So I put the Beatles in. I put the Beatles in. So you're so good. Yeah. So I have two. uh, I'm doing two artists, uh, Tears for Beers and Billy Joel. But I put the Beatles in. I got Dolly. I got. I knew you were going to put Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. I I had I had to shed one coop because I just there's too many songs. Right. And that's what I figured it was. And I said, well, I actually really wanted to put this one on anyway. Right. Because it is a fantastic song by the Beatles. We'll get to. Um, And I just felt I had to put it on. So I so I didn't mind putting it on. Man, uh, the Hollies I was going to have on there, didn't put that on there. A lot missed on C, I have to say. Oh, I mean, yeah, uh, it, there's a lot that were missed. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's jump in. Yep. I'm going to I'm gonna jump in with one that, like, immediately came. This one came to mind immediately, and that's uh, Led Zeppelin Communication yep. Breakdown. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure this is on a lot of people's lists when they think of of like if, we, if they were doing this, I mean, I'm sure you probably would have had this coop if I didn't have it. Um, but yeah, just a classic song. It's that sort of blues rock fusion that was really huge in that first like British invasion, I guess. Um, I mean, if you count the British invasion with the Stones, the Beatles, and Led Zeppelin, and then you you revisit that again with like the Brit pop invasion, kind of like Blur and Oasis and stuff like that. But um, oh, just a great song, just like that really bluesy, rootsy rock. Yeah, uh, it's like great quintessential great Led Zeppelin you're getting with that song. Oh, it's totally yeah. it is quintessential Led Zeppelin. Um, and it's and it's the first thing that came to mind was uh, was that track. Yeah, uh, I would I was I almost guaranteed you were gonna have that song on there <laughs> or Led Zeppelin song, but I, that one I knew you were gonna have on there. The, oh, let's uh, see. Your your first one is your band. You're you're getting your the you're getting your bands out of the way here. Yeah, and this was one of the uh, one I'm trying to do every letter for. Um, the song is maybe a song a lot of people haven't heard of, uh, and this is not a deep track because this was actually one of the lead singles off this album. But the band's Tears mm-hmm. for Fears. Uh, the nice. song is closest thing to heaven, and the album is Everybody Loves a Happy Ending from 2004. So what people have to remember is like like Tears of Fear is going through a huge comeback now, right? Mm. But they went like in 2004, which was like seven, eight, 17, 18 years ago, was their pr- prior album. And that was Everybody Loves a Happy Ending. But Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal, that was a reunion album for the two. They had a very acrimonious split back in 1990 and they hadn't recorded together for a long time. They came back together and they did an album called Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, which I think is a great album, by the way. Um, yeah. And this song 
very much is in the vibe of the Tears for Fears season love. Uh, they continue that Beatlesque mm. sound with those orchestral type of, uh, you know, arrangements. Um, and uh, closest thing to heaven is probably because it's one of the more played songs off that. Um, and but this has become a fan favorite one at the at the concert. And if you're kind of exploring Tears for Fears uh, with the tipping point right now, and maybe mm. you remember them from the '80s, um, go back into that catalog. Look at Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, and look at this track. I think you'll be very very pleased with it. Um, and I think you'll agree with me. It, it's a good track. So a little bit of a deep cut, but not if yeah. you're a Fears fan. This is this is a this is a fan favorite. This song. No, great pick. I think too, like that 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 tipping point. That record just keeps performing well. That's a good. That's such a good record. Yeah, it's my best album I've heard this year. Mm. And um, I mean, I know Harry Styles is probably the one, the album everyone's talking about this year. And I'm not saying Harry had the best album, but you know, my opinion, Tipping Point was the best album. And, you know, I actually was speaking to Nick Perdomo. And he's a big Tears for Fears fan. He had not heard the tipping point. And he told me. Really? He was, yeah. Uh, so I got to get a report from Nick Perdomo on this uh, web PCA. Like I, 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 I told him, I said, it's your homework. You got to go listen to this album. It's a great record. The big Tears for Fears fan. Yeah. Um. So I went to uh, Tribe Called Quest. So I'm trying. I to almost went with this genres. one. Yeah, yeah, I was glad yep. you had it, though. I checked the rhyme. Uh, this is off one of the most influential hip hop records, Low End Theory. Uh, if you, you know, if you're a Tribe fan, then yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Tribe, you sort of have, they have a couple big releases. They have the Low End Theory and they have Midnight Marauders. Right. But Low End Theory, a seminal release um, that this is on. Uh, I think what I love about this track is that it's a good example of sort of where East Coast hip hop was at the at this point. Like if you look at them, they're putting stuff out. And uh, the roots, it was a very sort of jazz influenced sound, which is yeah. a lot different from the West Coast sound. Um, so this is, I think, this song, other than being a great song, it's just a great example of that sort of East Coast sort of jazz fusion type sound. I, I really, that's one thing I really love about a tribe called Quest. Um, mm. And uh, they were, of course, they were denied Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We talked about that last week. Boo. Yeah, but cool. if like if you listen to this and then compare it to stuff like um, Tupac and stuff coming out, and the I mean even like Dr. Dre and stuff, they're really heavily like sort of electro, synthy bass inspired stuff as opposed to more of the jazz inspired stuff. It uh, you could really see the difference between the two. You definitely styles. do. Yes, I agree. Um, and I like it. I, I thought it was a nice like offshoot of hip hop. You know, I think it's a good yeah. sound. I, I I like that a lot. And the roots are sort of still keeping it. I mean, the 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 biggest differences in rap are sort of south with like trap and everything. But um, the roots sort of are still keeping that that sort of jazz fusion vibe uh, alive with their stuff. Very um, true. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, here we go, Coop. Your next okay. one here. Yeah, this is the other one I'm going uh, each letter with. Um, this is, uh, yeah, so this is another artist. I'm doing a, a song from every uh, letter of the alphabet to, like, exhaust it. Um, and I'm trying not to cheat, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, but this is uh, this is Billy Joel's The Artist. 
Uh, the song is Captain Jack from the Piano Man album in 1973. Uh, Captain Jack is a classic Billy Joel ballad, epic ballad, storytelling type of ballad with him at the piano. I mean, that, that's what mm. this song is. Um, piano Man in general is considered, I think, one of the weaker Billy Joel albums, even though it has the song Piano Man and has Captain Jack. I think it's in general considered still one of his weakest albums. So Captain Jack, I would say, is the second most popular song of the Piano Man album behind, obviously, the title track. Um, mm. But this is, you know, the, the story is really interesting. Apparently, he was at some apartment uh, in Oyster Bay, Long Island. And he was looking out the window and he was looking for inspiration for a song. And uh, he saw a housing project. Um, and I guess he saw some teenagers going into the project to buy heroin. And uh, the dealer was named Captain Jack. So he oh, wow. this song based on it. But, you know, even though it says Captain Jack will get you high at night, if you listen to the lyrics of the song and Billy Joel will say this is an anti-drug song. This is not a song yeah. promoting drugs. Uh, but you have to kind of really read, read the lyrics there as well. But this was a raw song even for 1973. Mm. I mean, he talks about masturbating in this song and everything. It, 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 this was some heavy lyrics for 1973. Mm. Um, and even though we saw a lot of like socially conscious lyrics, this, this, like I said, um, you know, the other thing I'll say is it's a complete song. I mean, you have just not piano, but you have banjo, you have accordion, you have electric guitar. It's all coming together in this song. Mm. Um, I, I think Captain Jack is, I don't know why it's, it seems to be forgotten a lot in the Billy Joel because he's got so many hits, mm. but I, yep. I think it's really one of the best songs he's done. Mm. Um, and like I said, easily a worthy, like no question. This would be on my C list. Uh, oh yeah. Better C list here. Uh, if you're a Billy Joe, this is, this is a good song. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, so you got your, your two out of the way that you're going to try and go. I, I went, whole... I got them out of the way. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll have to see what I'm more worried about tears for fears than Billy Joel. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I could probably okay. some deep cuts with Tears for Fears, but it's gonna I know it's gonna get challenging with a few of those letters as we go through oh, it. Oh yeah. Uh, Billy Joel, Jeff's I'm confident we can go pretty far with this right now. Oh yeah, well yeah, hey. I'm sure you can. I mean, mine too. I'm just hoping that she's got something in the bag. Yeah, later there's on. one letter I'm worried about with Billy Joel because I, I but I have to think about it more. Yeah. Um this one, I think this was on the Facebook thread. But so I had to put it on there. I think someone mentioned it, but it's uh, Blondie with Call Me. Um, Great song. Yeah, it's an amazing song. I mean, you got to put it on the list. Uh, Blondie's amazing. I mean, there's not a lot of bad songs by Blondie, to be honest. Um, what I love about it, it has that sort of there's this kind of vibe going with pop in the 80s. This sort of where well, there's a couple of pop the, uh, bands they had this sort of like dark darkness, this edginess to them. I mean, Blondie was one. You think of bands like The Cure that was sort of more mid 80s. But even like Depeche Mode, which was sort of mid 80s, they got there was these bands that had sort of like I mean, New Order. It was they like a new this, wave. They had a new wave fusion with the pop. sound. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. it, it wasn't that ultra neon pop it was it had more sort of like a darkness to it like an edge to it and yep. Blondie had that like a little bit of a little bit of that darkness to it um, I think just more so um, 
in the in the vocals and in the guitar riffs and stuff. But uh, but no, I mean it's a great track. I like Blondie a lot. Um, so, so no, that that had to be on there. So here was the interesting thing about Call Me, right? Call Me, um, the uh, the person who wrote that song, um, was actually it was Debbie Harry was one of the writers. Yeah, the other one was Giorgio Moroder. Right, the disco producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you uh, can hear, hear that. You can hear, yeah. and you can hear some of that little or, or orchestral types of sounds in there with it. Um, and, and by the way, this was suggested by Fred Rui. So give let's give Fred credit. Oh, I could remember. I remember yeah. seeing the comment. Yeah, and I'm like, gotta put it on there. Um, you know, Blondie, they were really, they were just some of the most. There was some real music geeks that band. I mean, it was some real. They yeah. really knew how to engineer an album and stuff like that. I'm not saying every song it is I loved, but there was some very good engineering that went behind their songs, and this was certainly one of them. Um, so um, I believe "Call Me" was on the Rolling Stone list. I think oh, we that talked about that. Calling, yeah. So when we, we I know we have to get back to that, but yeah. Uh, and in fact, the other thing, I just pulled a couple more notes on here. Uh, Billboard ranked at number three on their list of the greatest Blondie songs. Um, All right. Which was, you know, kind of interesting um, that they did it now. Um, mm. Do you know what the two songs were, were ahead of them? Uh, and I agree with the two that are ahead of it, by the way. I don't know. Two is Rapture and one was Heart of Glass. Oh, Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass is probably one of the greatest engineered songs ever. You may not like it, but yeah, it's very complex uh, engineering that went behind that song. Yeah. All so, right. Yep. So that was a good pick, Dave. Rapture, that a, yeah. That was a really good pick. Rapture is a good song. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I had to. I saw it on there and had yep. to have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to have. Yeah. <clears throat> you double dip here, Cooper. I cheated. So there's 11 songs, but I couldn't decide on which one to pick from this band, and they were both. <laughs> They both had a common theme with it, right? And I couldn't decide. Um, the band is Duran Duran. I picked two songs that began with the letter C. One is called The Chauffeur from 1982. Because we yeah, aren't counting the. The is not. Yeah. It's the the gets eliminated. So it is the C. We had decided mm. that up front. And the other one is Come Undone from 1993. Ah. So let me just kind of briefly talk about Because they're both haunting songs, right? Mm-hmm. Chauffeur, when it came out, it was on the Rio album. It's the closing song on the Rio yeah. album. And Rio was really <laughs> at that point when they were this big MTV band and, you know, they were playing these MTV, you know, these, these kind of uh, hooky type of songs. And this song comes out and, and yeah, it's kind of hooks you in a different way because it's, it's dark. It's haunting. And I don't think there was a song ever that was released like this. Right. And it's just it, it creeps you a bit. Right. But but I think it also put Rio over the top as a great album. I mean, you look at it; it's great closing track, the Rio, right? And Dave, I believe that this came up when you had Pete Johnson on on. Yeah, Real he Duke. loves this song. He loves he this loves song, it. and I, that's why yeah. I wanted to mention it as well. I love this song too. And then yeah, uh, the whole Blue Silver, you know, it's it's a great great track. Now, Come Undone yeah. is another haunting song. Mm. Now, the interesting thing about uh, when Come Undone came out, Duran Duran was starting to shift more towards an adult contemporary band. And that was the wedding album, which I think is probably the uh, next to Rio. Those are the two. And of course, this future days from this year. Uh, yeah. These are the two great. You know, those are some of the great Duran Duran albums. But um, this this album was it was an interesting 
uh, story behind this song, right? Because this, again, doesn't really sound like the chauffeur, but it's still got a haunting thing. So Duran Duran had brought in a guy by the name of Warren Cusarolo, uh, who was a, uh, he'd come in at the point when um, some of the members went off to form Arcadia. Mm. And he came in as a guitarist and he kind of stuck with them for a while. Uh, until the original members got back. And Warren, I thought, brought a lot of creativity to the band, right? And this yeah. was really a, uh, this is something that Warren was writing. And uh, I guess what happened is Simon LeBond heard it, fell in love with it, and said, hey, I want to use this on the album. Um, and uh, they ended up putting it on the album. And uh, I-, I love the song. I mean, it's just, uh, I said, it does, it, unless you could, it's, the only thing that like really makes that a Duran Duran sound is Simon's voice. Is what I'll just say. Yeah, because Simon's got such a you know his voice has never changed in forty years. So, um, so yeah, I put "Come Undone" on here as well, uh, which in my opinion is probably a top ten Duran Duran song uh, of all time. Ooh, uh, my top book. 10. I, yeah, uh, like I said, I I just loved Warren Crusoe's influence on on this this thing. But originally, this song, like I said, it wasn't even intended to be a Duran Duran song. It was going to be some side song that Warren was going to do. And uh, yeah, they t- they ended up taking the song and, and putting it on the album. Right. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that that Pete Pete loved the the chauffeur. chauffeur. He does. Loves it. Which you would again, you wouldn't see Pete Johnson as a Duran Duran fan. But yeah, I, I mean, but, but Duran Duran has a lot of closet fans. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, he loves that song. There's a reason why they won the fan. Like, we're high on the fan vote. Oh, yeah. I think they won the fan vote. And then the reason why they got in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's a lot of people who like Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I'm glad it's glad to see it because they were for a while. I think until this wedding album came out, they mm. were just dismissed as like a, a, a manufactured MTV band. Mm. And, and what I love about Duran Duran is they change their sound on every album. Yeah. And, and, and it's just they, they, they keep it fresh. And some of the better than others. But yeah. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy. So yeah, I had to pick two songs on this one. Nice. Hey, no problem there. Yeah. I uh, I kind of do a similar thing later. Yeah. Um, I have Taylor Swift with Cardigan. Oh. <laughs> so I had to put some Swifty on here. I'm trying to like hit all the you know jump around, hit all the notes. Yeah. Uh, it's a good song. I love folklore. Of the record. Yeah. Um, kind of about the themes of being relation, being relationships. Like she's kind of used like like you know she talks about him bringing her out like you know his old cardigan and then like throwing it under his bed totally disregarded when he doesn't need it yeah um so no it's a great it's a great track I think it sort of highlights her different move on folklore because um, it's not an overly poppy track really um but it it kind of shows the vibe she was going for and uh, it's a it's a good song I mean that I mean that album really is more of a that's more of a double album really isn't it i mean folklore and evermore it's hard to sort of look at them separately that it's really they work best together so which is i wonder why she didn't release it as a double lp unless like people just don't do that anymore but i don't know why she didn't do that i i think they figured it out like why release a double lp uh when you can just split it now um Double yeah. LP, there was a purpose for it a long time ago. It was, yeah. you, know, you know, if you were doing something like Pet Sounds, which costs a ton of money to make, right? Yeah. It makes sense to make, if there's a lot of songs, to do a double LP. 
Yeah. You know, but if it doesn't cost as much, you get two, you get two albums instead of one. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know sorry if I like it or not, but I, I agree with you on that. I think artistically, the songs on both those records perform better when you sort of listen to them both. Yeah. As opposed to in isolation. And I, I, and I think like you could look at it as, you know, a double album. And we talk we always talk about album, a song arrangement. Right. Mm. You're right. It kind of has this kind of bookends on that one is what mm. I'll say. Mm. So what I do like is she came out with the albums close enough where yep. you could still get the experience of that. Yeah, I know. They're great albums. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I had to put a Taylor Swift song. In there, of course you, you did. <laughs> So through uh through cardigan on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean we would do, we did a whole show with Seth on that. And yeah. I remember we talked a lot about that song. It's not just there's a lot that's just when you peel the onion with that song, there's a lot more to that song than you think. Yeah. Yeah. So um so yeah, check it out. So we got this is a bit of a well, I mean, would this be a deep cut from you, Coop? No, this was a huge hit in the US. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna say this one's not, right? Because mm-hmm. this song was like all over the radio in the seventies. Ah, okay. But it was before your time. <laughs> well, there you go. But this band's like, the band is more of a one-hit wonder, right? Mm. So the band is called Redbone, and the song is called Come and Get Your Love. And Redbone, uh, and actually I put the five-minute version of this song because they cut it for the radio. Yeah, I saw that. There's a yeah. slower intro that you want to hear the slower intro with this. This is not, uh, but Redbone was this like, and they're still around. Redbone has not like gone. <laughs> but this is like, you know, this is almost 50 years old. And they had this like Mexican-American, Southwest Native American sound with some funk in it. Right. Mm. But this song, it, it, for folks who know the song, it's got so many elements into it. Right. There's 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 some of that, you know, Mexican sound. There's like a Cajun element mm. to it. There's a touch of reggae in it. Right. A little bit of funk. And somehow it outputs into this Native American sound, like which is which is really cool, right? Um, mm. You know, and this was, like I said, this was a time in the U.S. history. I think you know, uh, the Keep America Beautiful theme. There was a lot of focus on on the Native yeah. Americans back then, right? Um, but these guys, like I said, they came out and they had a sound. Um, this 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 song has been used in a lot of movies, um, and it's like, hey, hey, you know. Mm. What's the matter? Yeah, it's just it's a cool song. In the 90s, the song had a little bit of a resurgence. There was a band called Real McCoy that was kind of a post-disco mm. band. They had some mm-hmm. hits and they did a they did a disco version of the song, which I think was was very, very good. Right. But, um, but yeah, this I think this song like it's funny you said because like Dave, I remember like being in the car with my parents, right? Mm. And this song would come on every time you were in the car with the radio on. Oh, really? It, it was one of these songs that was probably played to death in the 70s, right? But you don't hear much about it today unless it's in a... No. So, so yeah, I guess from your perspective, it could seem like a big deep cut. I can get yeah. that. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's uh, Red Bones, Come and Get Your Love. Love it. Yeah. Good song. Good song. No, I got it. Well, I'll save my... My one... My, my, uh, my more... Uh, solely 70s one for later i got one i got one in here send the hate the next one you can send your hate mail to uh, cigar jukebox at gmail.com yeah so i got joni mitchell with uh, <laughs> <Chelsea Morning. laughs> bring it 
Send it. Send your hate mail uh, to Dave on this one, not me. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm kidding. Know you can send it to me. I got Dave's I back. I don't know if you can get it on Spotify because <laughs> I don't know if she's lifted that yet. I don't know. I haven't checked. I have to admit, but it's about the Chelsea Hotel where like everybody would hang out kind of at that time. Doesn't look like her versions on there. No, yeah. you got Leonard Cohen, Joni, James Taylor was probably there. Bob Dylan was there, I think. <laughs> um, everybody really would hang out at the Chelsea Hotel. And um, so she does this song, um, Chelsea Morning, uh, kind of uh, referencing the Chelsea Hotel. And it's just a, it's just a great track. I love it. Um, it's it's a bit upbeat for her. Uh, and now and, and Jody's always been an amazing storyteller and just, you know, the, at the Chelsea Hotel, you know, the Chelsea Morning. And her voice is is great on it, great vocals on it, and it's just a good track. So, I mean, I could have put a case of you on it, which is probably one of the best songs ever made. Yeah. Uh, but we've talked about that before, I believe. So I just wanted to go. Uh, I want to try and find a Joni song I haven't really talked a whole lot about, and so went with uh, Chelsea Morning. Um, really good song. It's been covered by a lot of folks. Um, yeah. Judy Collins, who we talked about last week, uh, covered it. Oh, yeah. Um, Neil Neil Diamond's also covered it. Uh, and in a little little um, little trivia, um, send your hate mail to you can send one hate mail to me. Send it to make, me. I'm gonna mention. I don't get much person. hate mail. Uh, Chelsea Clinton, the daughter of Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, was named after this song. Actually, really? Yes. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, the couple had heard the Ju- the Judy Collins version during a uh, stroll uh, in the Chelsea neighborhood of London, and I guess they were inspired okay. by it. Yeah, so uh, they this inspired them to name their daughter Chelsea. So you can send <laughs> your hate mail to me on that one. Well, you could be like, "Hey, you're named." After the song, that's about a hotel where like a bunch of people did a shit ton of yeah. heroin and drugs. <laughs> drugs. Right. Uh, so maybe they didn't think it through all the way. But uh, well, hey, my daughter's named after Jody Mitchell herself. So what do you think of that? There you go. Send your hate mail to me on that one. I have your back, Dave. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. That's a. Uh, uh, you know the the was the Chelsea Hotel an actual hotel? I believe I so. Okay, I wasn't. I, I don't know if it was a hotel. Was it named the Chelsea? Or was it representing? I wasn't. It was named the. It was named okay. the Chelsea. Okay. I'm gonna look it up right yeah. now. I think it was in so New York. Was it? was it New York? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, let me look. See now, I gotta look. Um, oh. I'm. I am. Uh, I'm looking it up. I know it was because a lot of people stayed there. Um. Which is what which is what she's she's writing it off of. I mean, yeah. Leonard Cohen's done music about the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah, it, it's a place uh, yeah, it's in heard. New York. OK, it was in it's New on York. 20, okay. 23rd Street. Yep. So Chelsea's on the west side of New York on in the, in the 20s. Uh, yeah. It's commonly called the meatpacking district, that area. OK. Um, and it's kind of always been kind of this uh, eclectic type of neighborhood. Uh, it still is. I mean, it's, kind of, it's still kind of a really cool place to go to. Yeah, so it's a lot of. I have a lot of like rock, like famous rockers, uh, artists. Dylan Thomas stayed there. I'm just looking at this right now. Like Sex Pistols stayed there. Uh, Leonard Cohen has stayed there and written a lot of songs about it. 
Joni Mitchell, obviously. Um, I'm assuming James Taylor, because anywhere Leonard Cohen is and Joni Mitchell was, James Taylor was probably there. Yep. Uh, um, so, yeah, so I think it's kind of, I think it's sort of lived on in lore in these songs a lot. Like, it's a yep. pretty famous yeah, no, Lots. it's a good, it's a good, this is what I said, Joni wrote, but Joni was the one who wrote this song. Yeah, and then, and like I said, Leonard Cohen has songs about the Chelsea Hotel, but not the same song, yeah. like other songs. Um, so yeah, so, so there you go. But let's see. Oh yeah, here, you, you saved the Beatles streak, Coop. Yeah, I you kept it alive for us. Uh, we're not going to let it go. Um, but uh, the song has come together. It's from the Abbey Road album in 1969. Um, here was the interesting. This is another one of those records that was a super A-B side. And this was a B-side to something. The something song. So, yeah. Go figure if this, this was a B-side. Uh, and uh, this this was a John Lennon-like song. like, uh, And it was basically, uh, there was a guy by the name of Timothy Leary uh, who was an advocate for LSD. Right. And oh, yeah. um, basically, Lennon, Lennon was infatuated with the guy. Uh, he was going to run for California governor. And he asked Lennon to write him a campaign song based on the, the campaign slogan, come together, join the party. So mm. that's kind of where this all came from. I just love this song. Right. And uh, it's, it's again, a little bit of a haunting side of the Beatles. It's got to mm. it. Now, a decade later. Sergeant Pepper, the movie comes out with the yeah. with Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Widely considered a disaster. Okay. <laughs> a, a little bit unfair, but but I'm gonna say it was a disaster. It didn't go well, right? But the song the everyone was said the best track of that Sergeant Pepper soundtrack yeah. was when Aerosmith came in and did this song. Like Aerosmith, all right, okay. And Aerosmith comes in; they do a very, very good version of this song too. So Aerosmith kind of saves the day with that one. But, uh, but I, I like this song. You know, I think this was, you know, Abbey Road was technically the last Beatles album. Let It Be was actually well, already recorded. That's why a lot of it was already recorded. So it wasn't the last one released. But I think this is a great track uh, off that. So and I, and I uh, oh yeah, I mean, it's a very ironic track in that they're singing "Come Together" like at the same time the band their is band is coming apart. <laughs> Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. That's a great record, too. It's a great record. record, Yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, And I just I just thought, you know, you looked at the Beatles and all the problems that they were having. And they're able to just develop music like this song. I'm like, you know, wow. Imagine if they were all on the same page. If If they're all getting along is what I'm saying, what it would have been. This is well, when they I couldn't am. even get along. I said this was a Lennon track for the most part. Um, yeah. You don't hear McCartney do this. Like, like McCartney does a lot of Beatles songs. He doesn't do this song. No. I haven't heard I mean, him do it much. The, well, this is when I don't know if it's this record or the previous record, but this is when they were recording in like separate studios. Like they yeah. weren't even in the same. It was all around that time because like, Let It Be and Abbey Road were kind of yeah, they they couldn't even be in the same room together. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, like what the Get Back. Uh, so I mean, I think that still like there was a level of re- respect with each other, but when it came to like they had to put a song together, like it all just fell apart. Like I mean, them the yeah. creative differences in the studio were just too much. It was, it was. I mean, if you watch the whole Beatles, uh, 
you know, the whole uh, Disney Plus thing. You, you, yeah. It's amazing what you're going to see but, on raw footage of that. It's amazing that they got. But yeah, but uh, but no, it's a it's a it's a great uh, record. I agree. It, um, but it's just funny how like the song about coming together is at the same time the band is like, I mean, and, and the, the thing that always gets me about the Beatles when people are like where I could where I think you can never overstate how big the Beatles were is that they weren't even touring. Like, what did they stop touring after what their their like third or fourth record or something? Like, they yeah, didn't they, even they tour. toured since like 65, 66. I mean, and, and they were still like just selling records like crazy. Yeah. And they weren't even touring. And remember, the whole idea is that we're going to do that TV special. That's why the whole Let It Be thing. And that's how it originally started. Um, They were coming. You know, they, that's when the whole Disney Plus thing is based on how they were coming together for that TV special Um, on that. I mean, now it'd be unheard of. Like, you got to put out an album and tour. I mean, the, to, to, to think that they were so like even Beyonce like does tours. Like, I mean, to think that a band is so big to still like sell out like platinum records. Right. And not even be touring in the late, in the sixties is insane. Right. It, it, it's, it's really, um, I I'm trying to think of a, like a band that stopped touring or an artist that stopped touring. I want to say Prince stopped for a while, but not Prince stopped for a while. I mean, but he was still doing one-off things though. He wasn't selling out like the he wasn't selling records like the Beatles though. No, Prince actually I think and we'll talk about Prince in a little bit, but he had that obviously the Purple Rain era and then he kind of he kind of plateaued and uh yeah. then came I think later in his career is when he really came back. Um, I mean, I know like there's there's bands like uh well like um Beyonce who I mentioned that artists that rarely tour but she still plays shows you know yeah like that's they wouldn't even like that's the crazy that's the craziest thing for me like you think about how important touring is for a band's income and sales and they just said no no i mean imagine if they were all together today man like i'll give you an abba's the example right there how abba took a golden up this guy i think they i go back there had to be reason why the girls couldn't be a part of that. That maybe someone's in bad health or something. That's what I kept wondering. How would they not take advantage of that opportunity? Now? I don't know. Yeah, it's it was a whole weird. It was weird. But Abba's one, that I think. But they were broken up. Abba was split. Yeah. That was the difference. Um, the Beatles were together still for several years before this happened. Uh, and you're number one band in the world and you're not touring. That's insane. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but uh, but Beatles are great. You cannot overstate how yeah. important they are to music. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's a great record. Yeah. Um, now, this one, I kind of pulled a coop unknowingly. I have the one track, but I have two artists. You can kind of pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you did that one. So I was like, I felt I didn't feel bad about pulling it. Because I couldn't I couldn't decide which one to pick. And it's a change is gonna it's come. Okay. Pick, yeah, pick the great song. Yeah. So I got a change is going to come, which is an excellent song. Uh, we're not counting the, the the articles done. A so, and there's a Sam Cooke version and Aretha Franklin version. Um, and it's bizarre because this is at the same. This is at like the time in music where like you could cover songs like months after they were released. So I think 
I think the Sam Cooke release and the Aretha Franklin release, I don't think there's much time in between them, to be honest. No, I don't um, think there either. No, but uh, it, it's an excellent song. It has amazing sort of gospel roots to it. Um, it became an iconic civil rights track. Either version is excellent. Um, Sam Cooke is, is excellent. Um, so I really couldn't pick between the, which version to do. So I just said, hey, just pick your own. Whatever version you like, uh, change is going to come. Great track. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, I know we talked about the Aretha Franklin version of this one, too, at one point. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about, like, how important this, this track was to it. Um, I actually am a little more partial to the Sam Cooke version. Sam Cooke version? But yeah. I do love the Aretha Franklin one. Sam Cooke's vocal is, is Sam Cooke's vocal is is just impeccable. Yeah, and it was a very important, um, very important song in the you know, I said in the history of uh, music. I mean, it really is. Oh yeah, uh, and you know this is mid nineteen sixty four. It was it was recorded in. I'm trying to remember. But they were, but this was a time in like even though Aretha was in Motown, but like Motown and. That sort of funk soul where they were like people putting out they were like covering songs like literally like same year, like months after releases. But that and wasn't we, uncommon back then. I think we've talked no. we talked about that on the Aretha Franklin show. It wasn't uncommon with that. Uh, there was just a lot. Of, that's how it was back then. Like yeah, I mean, it's, it's cover a song and it would be covered a few like months later by someone else. I mean, I guess as a modern listener, you see that and it's a bit it's a bit like, whoa. Um, because you're used to songs being covered like years after, but the song it was almost like these songs were like public domain, like people would just sing them in whatever, yeah, uh, which is interesting. But it was uh, it's a great song, whatever version you listen to, fantastic. You know, you ever hear the Greta Van Fleet version of it? I have good. not, yeah, it's actually pretty good. There's a lot of people who've covered this song, oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. an iconic song, it is, it is, uh, it's a good song. I mean, I know it was using a Spike Lee, the Spike Lee uh, Malcolm X movie as well. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it has. It's a very call to action song. It's sort of in the vein of like the, those sort of gospel songs that would be sung a lot at like civil rights rallies and stuff. Yeah. It has a very sort of gospel kind of vibe. Um, but no, great, great track. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and like I said, it has this. It has this sort of the, like a lot of songs that we talk about is sort of key to like this larger movement, civil rights movement in this case. But yeah, mm. boo, 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 where are you at? Keep. Oh, here we're getting getting a, getting a Prince now. Yeah, this is a very deep track from Prince. This is a deep okay. track. Um, it is a great song. So let me just kind of set the stage with this song. The song is called Christopher Tracy's Parade. It was the first uh, track on the Parade album. Yeah. All right, so let's go back. 1984, you had Purple Rain. Iconic landmark album. Iconic. Prince does a follow-up album in 1985 called Around the World in a Day. Less which is iconic. Nothing like Purple Rain. <laughs> it's got this more of the funk, psychedelic yeah. sound. Mm -hmm. yep. 1986, he does a movie called Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah, which is nothing like Purple Rain, right? And this is not a musical movie. It's more of a uh, 
uh, it, it was shot in black and white. It wasn't a great movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was no. a weak movie. Um, but, the, but the soundtrack was called Parade. Prince played a character in that movie called Christopher Tracy. So he was the protagonist. Mm. He was the character. That was his name in, in the Under the Cherry Moon thing. Um, and this song, but the reason why I mentioned a little the history of this, this song I think could have really, really belonged on the prior album, which was Around the World Today. It had that funk, that psychedelic sound to it. It, 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 it had a little bit of that French vibe in it where mm. I guess how, that's how they fit it in there. Um, but it, like I said, it's very much, if you like that un, Around the World Today sound, this song is, is, is good. Um, the interesting thing about this song is this is another song. It was actually uh, a track being done by Wendy Melvoin, who was one of the members mm. of the revolution. She had yep. a track. It was uh, called Wendy's Parade. Uh, and then Prince wanted to use it for the soundtrack. And they revamped it from Wendy's Parade to Christopher Tracy's Parade. Um, mm. I think it's a good track if you haven't heard it. I'm surprised it never made it onto radio. Because I think it was, it's still, yeah. I think it's still, but it's a good track. It, it's probably one of the two or three best tracks on the parade album mm. uh, and a very enjoyable track. And I don't, I don't think Prince has performed it much either. So no. it's kind of one of those, it's a, it's a really deep track. Uh, but I remember when the parade album came out, I was playing the shit out of this when it came out. So, oh yeah. Um, I really liked it. So check this one out. It's probably one you haven't heard. Most people haven't heard, but if you like Prince uh, and you like some of his funky and a little bit of that psychedelic, this is going to be the song to check out. Now, now when did this when did this come out again, Coop? 86. So kind of a bit, a little bit after this is when he does this whole Christian revival, isn't it? Like his whole rebirth. I don't do sexy music anymore. Yeah, that, was in like that the came, 90s, wasn't it? It came in the 90s. Yeah, that came in the 90s yeah. because the black, the black album, black album was scheduled to come out in 88. They God, pulled the black they pulled out. It. They pulled the black <laughs> right. But they put out this album called Love Sexy, which was yes. still I, I don't know, it was still explicit. And it was terrible. It was Prince's yeah. album he ever did. Um because I don't think he planned on doing an album. I think he had to get an album out, right? And when they yes. pulled the black album yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um he had, to, he had to put something out. They had to put something out yeah. and because we were all expecting the black album to come out. That so day. he so which is great album. So it's probably one of the like most sought after bootleg vinyls, but you can it, get it like downloaded it, version of it. Yeah, but. you can definitely get a downloaded version. And it's and, and it is a much more creative album. But but yeah, whatever he put, that was a disaster, that album. I mean, to uh, let people know like what happened and why it's so interesting is an interesting uh, track that Coop pulled within his chronology is that sort of as 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 like he moves you know, past the record, past 86, he starts getting more and more sort of, you know, like that sexual funk that we kind of know yeah. Prince as, which is amazing. And then he had this whole like Christian rebirth. I don't do that anymore, but he had the rebirth like after putting out a promo record. Yeah. So he had a promo record. And the reason it's called the blackout is because it's a black uh, cover. Yeah. And was- they sent it out to record places and whatever. And then Prince is like, nope, I don't do this Satan music anymore. Pull it. And they pulled the record. But of course, the like promos still existed. Uh, and then he's like, oh, forget it. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going back to it. Right. But the record sort of uh, existed in lore for, for a while. And then like 
people got copies. Now you can digitally get a copy and it's uh yeah. So this is sort of kind of leading up to that. It's a very interesting part in Prince's career. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, but even that, even the Love Sexy album, which like I said, is not a good album. <laughs> um, he has a song called Alphabet Street on there. There, uh, it's kind of if you listen to some of the lyrics, there's this constant like battle of good and evil in it, you know. Yeah. So there, there, there was some stuff that I think was still kind of um, uh on that dark side, I'll just say, but, uh, it was his least successful. Al- it was, a, the album was terrible. I just say, um, uh, I mean, ratings wise, you see a lot of three stars on it and that yeah. was being kind to it. I think it was a bad album. Um, so yeah, that, that I album mean, cover just... was him naked on the album cover covering. Oh, this was... is great. So I'm looking at the black album right now, just to give people an idea of chronology where we're at. So it was supposed to release, in like the 90s and then he pulled it um some of the some of the some of the uh track listings are la grind and super funky califragia sexy uh and it was great it's great it rock is hard so- in a funky place <laughs> oh yes it is so good rock hard in a funky place is amazing yeah um no, it's a great record. Uh, too many pulled it. Um, it got really, yeah, you, it made it out eventually. I think it did get out somehow. Yeah, I mean, you could get, I think, if you wanted to get the original promo re- vinyl, it is like a grand. It is like, super expensive. But if you wanted to just listen to the music, you can get it. You can download it. Yeah, yeah. You can find it. But yeah, uh, yeah I would. But it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a... It's sort of interesting where Prince is at in his career with your song, Coop. It's sort of where it sort of heads with like twists and turns and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, and I remember going back again with you know, this Black album. Um, After Parade came Sign of the Times, which was a monster hit album. Yes, yeah. that's a great album. And that was when Sign of the Times kind of was a resurgence for him. Uh, that was like a, I, I would say that was probably his second most successful of the album of the, of the ni- 80s. And then we were all waiting for this black album. I mean, it was just, there was, you know, there was no internet back then. You were just hearing a lot of stuff through uh, the back door. I, I, by this point, my dad had no longer was, uh, he had lost the CBS records contract at that point. So I didn't have any music connections on that because, you know, so I didn't even know. So I was like everybody else at that point. I didn't know what, what, what was going to happen with it. I'm surprised the label let him pull it. Like, I'm surprised they were like, nope, sorry. I was surprised uh, too because considering they replaced it with a pretty sexually explicit album too, it just didn't have this the as much of the dark feel of it. Like it was so far down dark. the line, yeah. yeah. Like from pressing it for promos and stuff. You think I, I just thought there like... were some issues that the radio stations didn't want to play it. I thought that was some of the issues right. that came around it. So I think the record companies were like, okay, if you want to pull it, they're not going to fight it because they weren't getting a lot of interest from record. Which again, I was surprised about because there was so much buzz about this album, right? It's a great record. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think we're going to have to yeah. do a print show. I know like in 2024, we'll do the show. 40th anniversary of uh, Purple Rain for sure as an archaeology. But um, but yeah, at some point, we probably should explore a print show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, This song, we're going to keep the funk soul five going with Bobby Womack, Coop. Oh, there you go. Nice. Go. We haven't had I haven't had a lot of Bobby Womack on the show. I'm a big Bobby Womack guy. 
so I'm like, we got to put some Bobby on there. And I put Communication by Bobby Womack. Great song. Uh, yeah, great song. I mean, the, I like we're talking deep cuts and stuff. This is not a deep cut. Uh, I think it was quite I mean, we, it's a deep cut in the sense that we don't play a lot of Bobby Womack. But as far as his songs, the most if you're a Bobby Womack fan, you would know this song. Yes. Um, has a great sort of soul funk vibe. His vocal is everywhere on the song. He's like high falsetto. He's like just screaming into the mic. He's just, uh, it is great. It's a very raw song. It has that raw sort of funk yeah. soul vibe. It's, it, if you like uh, Bobby Womack, you will love this track. Um, and yeah, I'm like, we don't play enough Bobby Womack. I'll put this on there. Yeah, no, it's good. I know we've talked about Bobby Womack for them. We haven't really we've talked about Bobby Womack. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I, I, I'm really a big Bobby Womack guy. I think a, a lot of guy. people know across 110th Street, and then that's where it sort of ends. It's like, oh, I know that song. And then they kind of don't listen to a lot more of his stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely check this out. Um, give it a listen. Yeah, you know, I, he had a long career. Uh, he kind of quietly died. In like 2014, yeah. and it wasn't a lot made of it. Um, but he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He had gotten inducted before that, okay. uh, so he was like, you know, he he was you know a legitimate uh, success. He died at like 70. He was still kind of young, I think, when he died in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, great, great. I I, I just, um, you know, I uh, what was the track he did? Oh. Duet he did. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Ooh, no, Coop's, I'm, Coop's racking his brain. Yeah, it was It'll a duet he did. I, yeah. Oh, I don't know, but yeah, I I'm know. not gonna. I'm not gonna rack our brains here. I know that. the song, but I can't think of the track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can't either. Uh, but people gonna... check out Bobby Womack. It's a long yeah. short of that. Yeah, he's got some good albums. I mean, he's really some good, good albums he's released. Um. Uh, over the years so definitely uh you know he, he, there's a song he uh, he does a curtis uh mayfield written song called gypsy woman which i really yes. like yep uh, really good track as well we went you go from deep cut to like blockbuster yeah i went from deep cut to blockbuster <laughs> um this was the this band it became their first number one song really um, yeah in the u.s it was their first but you think about it it's you know all the hits they've had um the uh the band is Queen. The song is from 1979 called Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Um, this is a cool song, and it, there may or may not be a karaoke version of me doing this song somewhere. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yes, I did karaoke to that. Yes, it was recorded. I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but my wife, my wife's a witness to it. Um, so, you know, Freddie Mercury wanted to do a song to pay homage to... Uh, like some of the heroes, uh, he really was influenced a lot by rockabilly on uh, a lot of ways. Mm. And it really hadn't come out yet in Queens music, particularly Elvis Presley and Cliff Richard. Um, and the story of this is basically he in five or 10 minutes uh, composed, composed this track on the guitar, which he's not oh, known wow. for his guitar. You know, Brian May's the guitar guy. And he, and yeah. he comes up with this song and it's this, uh, you know, it's this rockabilly type of song. Uh, a little bit different than anything we heard with Queen. I, I think the real cool thing is um, there's two cool things I love about the song: the hand claps that the band yes. does. The hand clap; those are real hand claps they're doing on that track. They weren't uh, manufactured. 
Uh, and the other thing is the whole thing about uh, Ready Freddy, the band. And mm. I think that was just kind of something that came out in the recording session of it. Um, where, you know, they, they've kept that in there. Even the, the, the Paul Rogers and Adam Lambert uh, incarnations of Queen, they still say Ready Freddy in there. They don't change it to something else. So great track. I mean, it's just a great, mm. it's a short track. Um, if you watch Queen live in Wembley, it's one of the highlights, of, I think, of the concert, of the Wembley concerts they did. Uh, he did. He was amazing during that track. Mm. You know, he does a little dance and strutting with that. It's cool. I, I love the song. It's a very good Queen song. No, oh, great pick. Yeah. Great pick. I mean, yeah, the blockbuster song. Yeah. Like I said, you don't think of this is it's not a it was not a Queen sounding track by any means. No, no. Um, you know. You're hearing stuff like we are the champions and stuff. And then this fire follows it. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes a song like that is like like getting the number one song is kind of tricky because you got to like get yeah. a lot of airplay. At the time, you had to get airplay mm. as well as sales. Mm. But it was, was a safe track. A lot of people would just they played on a rock station, an adult contemporary station, a top 40 station. So, you know, it, it, it was able to get on. You know, and I think that's how it got the number one. I wouldn't say mm. probably most Queen fans wouldn't put it in the top five. But it's still a very good track. Yeah, I mean, I, my next track is sort of similar, and that's a very good track. I think it's a well-known track. I think it charted well, but I don't, I don't know if people would put it within this band's top five. Although I think it's on my favorite album from this band, which is controversial take. Mm -hmm. But uh, that is Pearl Jam with Corduroy. Yes, which came out off of Vitology, which Vitology. Uh, had that old timey feel. It was very even in production. It's a very raw production, um, especially for Pearl Jam at the time. Uh, it's sort of just a straight rock song. I really love it. I think, but the record itself came out. It came out on vinyl, but uh, they released it on vinyl like in the nineties, like before. I don't know if it was before the CD or in conjunction with the CD, but they released it on vinyl. Um, I remember and it was uh, it's a great track. I love the track. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite Pearl Jam records. Uh, Pearl Jam was just on the, the top um, the top 10 or the, the 90s thing made the finals, but it wasn't this made wasn't the finals. The, I probably would have drafted this album, though. If so, yeah, hadn't drafted it's 10. hard. Yeah, it's hard because 10 is like yeah. the debut record. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one. It's a it's hard a one. one. It's a hard one. Yeah. But um, I do like this record better. I, I do too. I do too. But it's a hard one. Yeah. I, I might say Jeremy is the best song they've done, but, mm. um, but I, I love Jeremy, but this is right up there. Yeah. It's a good record. Yeah. So check it out people. Yep. Your next one there, Coop. All right. Um, a band that has not done well for me in the Battle of the Bands. Um, <laughs> but in my opinion, it's one of the greatest U2 songs ever done. Uh, the, the song is City of Blinding Light from 2005's How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, which I think is a monster album they had. And I think, I don't know, if, like I said, I think there's a little bit of a U2 backlash these days. Um, for whatever reason. And I think it goes back to the whole Apple thing, right? When they, when they pushed yeah. that weak album on everybody. That didn't that go well. Didn't go well. It wasn't a good album. It, just as an aside, 
any band that does that, like Jay-Z did that with Magna Carta, Holy Grail, like that never goes well. It never goes well. It was a mistake by the band. It really <laughs> was. And I think it hurt them. I think it's hurt them for a long time. They haven't had a lot of commercial mm. success after that. But how did dismantle Atomic Bomb was, you know, um, it followed all that you can leave behind, you know, the uh, the previous album. And that was kind of U2's kind of comeback. But this song actually, the this song, the concept of this song was going back to the pop album. Um, and Bono was starting to write this song and he was talking about uh, his recollection of his first trip to London. Um, and then they hadn't finished the track and then they played, um, they actually had um, played in New York city following the, uh, the nine 11 attacks on the elevation mm. tour. Um, and he got more inspiration from this. Um, it also kind of reflects, uh, you know, the city of light is Paris. And I think uh, a lot of that has to do with, um, the, uh, his relationship with his wife and going to Paris and how, uh, the, you know, it reflects this lost innocence, um, a lot of stuff, but it was interesting. It, it took several iterations of this song. I love this song. Uh, they opened, I remember when I went to the elevation tour and the atomic bomb tours, they yeah. open with this song. Uh, the edge is absolutely on fire with this. With this, um, it, it, it's it's it, it it just kind of captivates you when it comes in there. Um, I love like if I'm driving into a big city at night, I'll put this. Like if I'm traveling, you know, I'll put my iPod on. And I remember when I went to Los Angeles three years ago. I put this track on as I was driving into downtown Los Angeles, right? It, 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 it's an inspirational song. I love this song. Um, and uh, uh, one of my favorite U2 songs. I just, it just moves me. I know everything around 9-11 comes alive mm. with me with this song. Mm. And that's not like to say, I'm not trying to, when mm. I say it comes alive, it kind of makes me remember it. And yeah. It puts a lot of emotion behind it. There's something like emotional about this song. And uh, it kind of is getting lost today because uh, it, it was used on the show Entourage, by the way. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. They played, it, they played this on the show. They played this on Entourage. Yeah, it was an episode where they, they were uh, Johnny Drama was trying to get you two tickets and he gets there and they give Johnny Drama a shout out at the end of it. And uh, the Entourage guys are all jamming in the audience to this song. It, it's great. Uh, I love this song. Love this song. It, it belongs. It's it, probably a close Mount Rushmore song for me, for you too. Really? I love this song. It's amazing. I, it's one of my favorite songs they've done. I'm going to come out with a uh, take right now that I think uh, Ed's very underrated guitarist, in my opinion. Yeah. Very underrated. I saw there's a video out there with Jimmy Page, The Edge, and Jack White just jamming on guitars, talking about riffs that they came up with. Yeah. Phenomenal. I think Edge is very underrated. Oh, Edge is fantastic. Um, you know, the, one of the great performances at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was um, you two performing Gimme Shelter with uh, Fergie and Mick Jagger. Um, and, you know, really, you two's back there playing the music. They're not they're not really it's 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 Mick Jagger and Fergie doing the vocals, doing the judo chops. Um, but you watch Edge just hitting the riffs and give me shelter. And yeah. you just real yeah. And I'm gonna say this, Dave. You two's got one more monster album in them. I think in the next Oof. four or five, I'll say in the next five years, there'll be one more U2 okay. album. 
that will that will mes- that will that will they'll be they'll they'll recapture that mantra as the best band in the world. And they were okay. at one point. They're gonna get one more album. I, I don't think they're gonna go away quiet. They're, All right. Too okay. Good, too good not to. This is this is a band, you know, 40th anniversary has kind of been quiet for them. Maybe the 45th anniversary will be another story. But yeah. No, I mean it's a good it's a good call. Yeah. Now or never, you too, man. Yep. Now or never. I think I'll be my now or never this year. Uh, we're going to stick with the nineties for me and we're going to go with Tori Amos and cornflake girl. Great song. Uh, love that song. Uh, it's about a bunch of stuff, gender, which is like all of her songs really, um, about being feeling marginalized, um, cause of the cornflake girl in the song. Um, uh, I think Coop, so this, this under the pink, this came after, um, little earthquakes, which we did an album archaeology yep. on, I believe. Um, great record. I think this is her breakout record, though. Like, this is her breakout single, I think. Because um, this was huge. This was a huge this was single. A, this got her on to mainstream, yeah. Um, and this is a big record for her, Under the Pink. Um, big, big track, this track. And it's just, I just love it. I mean, because it has her vocal and her keyboard. Um, her vocal range is really showcased. But it also, I think has that sort of 90s pop yeah. hook in it. Um, it's a great it's a great track. I love the track. Uh, Cornflake Girl. Great, great track, Coop. It has a very 90s pop hook in it. It, it does. I like. It definitely does. Now, we were just yeah. talking about Gimme Shelter. Mm-hmm. You know those background vocals on this song? Oh, no. Oh, is it? Um, go, go for it. Go. Mary Clayton. Yes. I have a Mary Clayton. And we, by the way, this was not this this was not planned either in the order we did this. So yeah, uh, Mary Clayton does the background vocals on here. Do you know Mary Clayton? Right. Quick Mary Clayton aside. Uh-huh. Do you know Mary Clayton? Right. When they got her to do that, she like rolled out of bed at like two in the morning. She was like seven months pregnant or something. It's just when it and belted it out. So like you can when, on Gimme Shelter, you hear. You can hear Mick Jagger going, woo, and oh, my God, and, like, freaking out because she did that in, like, one take. She just, like, went off. And that's live in the studio. Mick Jagger, like, not able to contain how excited he is about how great her vocal is. Here's even more of the interesting part of that. There's another part of the story. She was the second choice. Uh, Barney Bramlett was the first choice, and her husband said, nope, you're not playing with the Stones. (laughs) He wouldn't let her play with the Stones. So, so, yeah, yeah, like, her agent called her up at, like, Two in the morning or something. Yep. Yeah. That she was about that. And Bonnie Bramlett was from uh, Delaney and Bonnie. Um, um, Yeah. So, yeah. So they basically, yeah. Mary Clayton had to get up and do this thing like in her third trimester of pregnancy. Yes. They they tell the story and she's saying that she's going to this. So it's the stones all hanging because they did it like essentially in the studio. They were in the studio with her. Yeah. And she just rolls in with like a bathrobe and slippers. It just goes crazy. Oh, yep, yep. I got Mary Clayton record. She's the best. Yeah, she, um, did a, she did her own. She did a solo version of that song, too, by the way. She did, which I, yeah. I have on that record. Um, No, I love it. Oh, I love that. I didn't know yeah. that. Love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting whole connection with that. Uh, Sometimes the music industry is smaller than you think. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then Coop, your, your, your list closes out with a band that we have not played a whole lot of, to be honest. No, and and I and I was thinking that, and, and at some point I want to start talking more about this band because they're one of my favorites. 
Uh, they are their band is bigger in Europe than the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think this was one of the bigger U.S. hits. Uh, the band's Jamiroquai and the song's yeah. Canned Heat from 1999. Yeah. Um, now, Jamiroquai's got this funk jazz disco yeah like, like a, bit of, a bit of that edm sort of electronic sort yeah. of trip-hop sort of vibe right. as well right uh a lot of that and uh they are what i will just say is if you not i've not seen them live in concert but i've watched them live in concert and mm. uh they are very um they're very good uh they're a very social conscious band too uh, if you kind of go in there, they, they address a lot of stuff in their lyrics on that. Um, but not maybe not so much in this song, right? Um, so can't no. keep, you know, Jamaica has this disco influence. This is one of those songs. I, I'd love to see, like, I, I had Rick Beato break this song apart, right? Because if you okay. kind of listen to the bass of this song, uh, the bass almost has this, and you wouldn't hear it unless you break the track. It, it almost kind of has that vibe of the staying alive. Then you know it's it's boom, boom, you know boom, 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 you know it's the bass is kind of that repetitive bass, boom, 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 you know. Uh, but what they do is they integrate these orchestral and they integrate these jazz qualities on top of it. Um, and uh, it, it's it's like I said, this is a song I know in the European discos people go crazy on this song when it comes on. Um, I love this band. This is probably uh, my favorite track from this band as well. And like I said. The live versions are epic, epic, yeah. and and Jamiroquai does some great disco covers as well. Um, they they've uh, you know, and I I don't know. This is going to be one of those bands. I don't know if we'll ever see them in the Hall of Fame. And they they've had some they have some great musicians that have been in in this band as well. Yeah, so, um, Stuart yeah. Zander for a while was that bass player. He's not there anymore, but great bass player. I mean, this is a good song. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, uh. They they've had a lot of hits. Um, I believe they've won a Grammy Award too. I don't remember what. They oh, won they the must Gra- have. I mean, they won a, I would they, s- What did they win the Grammy Award for? I don't remember, but they do. I know they have a Grammy Award. Was it for um, "Traveling Without Moving"? I mean, that was probably their biggest record. Um, but 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 their last they, re- so uh, but people- they virtual insanity. They won best performance. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah, that was a huge. I mean, they're big in. They're what? They're an English band, aren't they? Uh, or they JK are. Is. Yeah, they're 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 based out of London. Yeah. So so JK, who's the vocalist that wears the like the hat? The yeah. Hat. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they they haven't put um in a record out. I just had a quick look since 2017. But yeah, as far done, as I'm aware. Yeah, they've only done ten album, the two albums in the past like fifteen years. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, they're still like active as such. Like they're not. I mean, I don't know if they'll put out another record or not. I, I, I think they're still. I mean, I still think they're still very active. They're not broken up or anything. They've had a few no. changing members. Um, they're due for an album. Hmm. So I mean, they, Automation was the last album they did. Yep. Um, I I like the <laughs> Rock Dust Light Star. That was a really good yes. album they did. Um. That's got to be about 10 years ago. They did that one. Um, but yeah, they, they, but they're, but they're also a band. I think that really made their reputation as a live band. Yes. Um, their cover of Donna Summer's as bad girls is epic is what I'm just going to tell you. Ooh. Yeah. They, they, they put a great spin on that. 
Yeah, so check check it out. Like I said, I think their biggest record is that uh, traveling without moving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check them out. Good to have them on there. We haven't talked about them a whole lot. Yeah, the, like I said, uh, you know, people. I know people who are like really into uh, kind of jazz, like modern jazz, are really into the band. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of bass players are really into them too because their bass works very underrated. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now, I save my artist for last, which is of course Dolly Parton, and C is an extraordinarily easy letter yeah, for her. This one. Uh, I I mean I could have found a deep cut, but like why why right. do it? Uh, coat of many colors. I had to put that on there. Everybody knew that I was going to have it on there. It's not a surprise. No, it wasn't a surprise. Uh, it's iconic, talking about poverty, love, family, sort of all of her major themes she likes. Yep. And I think also it's iconic in how it's one of those cornerstone songs about Dolly's identity. Um, like there's a lot of songs about her growing up and they sort of are core to her identity, the brand of Dolly Parton. And I think this is one. This is a song that like people just love they they just like are inspired by the song so had to put it on there coat of many colors i have this on multicolored vinyl as a matter of fact the good but, good uh, yeah, well, i mean it was like yeah uh no surprise <laughs> yeah but i mean you can't really like you could have been i could have been a hit a dolly hipster and found some rando deep cut but like why coop you gotta right right that song's it, sitting there yeah it, it's one of her signature songs, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's definitely. And like I said, like with Dolly, there are these sort of like handful of tracks that uh, the like My Tennessee Mountain Home is one. Uh, it, it, there are these handful of tracks that are just like core to her identity. Yeah. And, that, and that's one. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, and... Uh... It would be interesting to see what she plays at the Hall of Fame. We were talking about that last oh, week. Oh, Jolene, surely. I would say it's going to be Jolene, but there'll be another song. And the only one I think it's Jolene. I, I think it's the easiest one to put in there. Uh, it, it might be. It might be both off that same record because she might do "I Always Love You." Yeah, yeah. She's not going to do uh, nine to five. I'll tell you that. I'll pretty, I'm going to make that pretty. I'm going to go on a limb. I don't think so. Yeah, Jolene, it's got to be. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's a list, Coop. I mean, we could do another C for it, really. Really, like, we could have. Uh, I mean, there was so many songs. Um, hey, Dave, I have a few of the, the listener submitted ones. I'll just read off if you want. Do it, do it, do it. Um, we got a few. So let me start off uh, with um, let me start off with Jack Tarano. Uh, oh, here we go, Jack. What Candida by Tony Orlando. I was I gonna saw pick that. Can- I was gonna pick Candida until Jack said it. So I want to give Jack a shout out on Candida because uh, that would have been unfair. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chad Portier, Portier, who is one of the Disney guys. Nice. Wu-Tang's Cream. Ah! Cash moves yep. everything around me, Chad. Yep. Uh, we mentioned Fred with um, Call Me. Yeah. And then Alvaro Rodrigo Villatoro, who is the other who wants to do the metal show with us. He uh Jesus. he uh did call call me a little sunshine by ghost. Ah. Um, another one, and this is one I was gonna pick, 
uh, because it's, it's generally considered um, it's generally considered one of the um, he picked two, uh, this guy picked two Patrick Benet picked two, but I probably would have picked one or two of these as well when I didn't. Uh, but this one's considered one of the great sea songs. Uh, Carry on wayward son by yes. Kansas. Uh, yep. Absolute lyrical masterpiece. Um, when you really get into the lyrics, there. and he picked, of course, "Come Fly with Me" by Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, I thought of that one. I thought of it too, but then when I saw it, I'm like, because I thought about putting a Frank one in, and that's why I ended up with a lot of these. I ended up going much safer in my zone with these. I with the pen. Yeah, and I tried to do ones. We do so much Frank. We did a I lot of Frank. And- yeah, we do a lot of Frank. So I said, we've. I think we've talked about this song before. So I think that's my favorite Frank song, to be honest. I love that song. Like, it's all uh, it's it. it's it's great. I mean, I'm I'm still partial to High Hopes in my way of my two favorites, yeah. but but certainly Come Fly With Me is an epic track. Um it just has that cool cosmopolitan like Frank vibe. You just want to hang out with them, sort of vibe. It's great. Song. Right. It's great. Yeah, you, you you see Frank with the fedora and the, and the suit mm. and tie, and you know, and, and, and just the way he like it's a, the way Frank always like engaged with his audience. Yeah. Love it. Great yeah. pick. Yeah. That Kansas pick. Great pick. Yep. Yep. Um, so final thoughts on our cigars here, Coop. What do you, how you doing? How you got, um, how you going? Great cigar. Um, I'll just kind of summarize very complex cigar. You know, the cigar starts off with this cumin note, right? This kind of like, you know, Indian spice note. Then it develops into more of a coffee note. Uh, in the second third. But then when you get into the second half, and this is what's very unusual about this blend, the cigar gets more creamy in the second half than oh. in the first half. Okay. So the, like, you know when you get the creaminess up front? This one you get it on the back end, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, great yeah, retro like hail. Yeah, great retro hail on this too. I haven't had that cigar in a while, so I'm, yeah. I remember loving it. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a great cigar, you know, and I remember when it came, got number one, People like, eh, I don't think it's number one. How did it be Padron? But I'm just telling you, the way this cigar has been performing the last couple of years, this size, this blend, uh, it's uh, this is I will be buying another box of these cigars. Let's put it like it's that. a great. I like the Colorado, too. Like yeah. the Colorado is great. It's yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it was the you know, we talk about collaborations in the cigar industry. This was uh, mm. Casada and Placencia coming together nice looking cigar too it really is the band is the band is beautiful um mm. i don't know if you can see it but let me i don't know because like my camera's out of focus here yeah, yeah you go. got that yeah there yeah. we go yeah um but yeah love this cigar nice i'm still smoking mine now people might have noticed i've had to like relight it a couple times that is operator error that is not yeah the i mean cigar. yeah I'm, I mean, trying, doing... I'm trying to make it last yeah and you're in a little bit of a colder, so it's a little drier out there, too. So I just wanted to mention, if you see the video and you see me relighting it, it's not yeah. the cigar. Um, well, yeah, that's totally understandable. It It's just like like it's it's like what I liked about the. The firecracker, it's it's just everything I like about the meat Corita just like dialed up to like 11. It, I'm telling you, that was a lot. Saka had a big year last year, but that cigar was the was like the the sleeper excellent everyone talked about still star and and paladin de Saka, but that one was the sleeper excellent construction yep. i think what are they what does he sell them in like 30 like what's the uh is it 25 30 i'm gonna look that up 
the Kaba. But you should pick it up if you haven't. Um, um, I'm looking this up. Uh, blah, 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 especially blah. if you like that firecracker, you should you should get it. Um, I, think. I don't have the size of it here. That's all right. Uh, yeah, but get it, get it, just get it. I would. I've been big into I've been big into short cigars lately. La, La Beijou Petite. I've been smoking. I'm big into short cigars. Um, just look. I got. I have it up here. Let me. Blah blah blah. What it is? Uh, this is a box of twenty. Twenty. Okay. Still comes to twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's got to be a good deal then. Jeez. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, pick... yeah. You get one hundred and seventy dollars. Uh, oh, that is it's, a steal. It's a get steal. That. And like you said, it's a four by forty-eight, and it lasts you the whole show. So. Well, yeah, and and I gotta say, right. So I've been trying to like make it last, right. Yeah. Um, so it's gone out a couple of times, but that's just because of me. Right. Um, but even relighting it, it's not harsh or anything. Like it's just, you just pick up where you left off. Yeah. Like, so it's I, great. I agree. And you know, uh, the Velvet Palace liked it. It was good. Yeah. They love that cigar. Yeah. That might, that's going to be top 10 on them. I they, yeah. I think it's going to be, I, I, think we, I think Aaron's maybe his highest one he did this year. It's got, it's going to be up there. So, so pick it up if, if you've sort of been overlooking it, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, New Music 45 Coupe. Absolutely. Uh, sponsored by uh, Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. They have a, uh, you know, epic humidor. Great, great selections there. Mm. Boutique cigars, uh, tried and true favorites. Um, great lounge, great customer service. Um, go visit them. Go visit Mike and the, and the gang there. Um, if you can't get there, get on their email list. So we say it every week. Uh, you go to scarhustle.com, but their email list will tell you when the new stuff's going live. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times you want to get that stuff fast. Um, you gotta get on you, that. Yeah, you gotta jump list, on it yeah. fast. And, and sometimes you guys stay up at midnight and stuff like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you gotta do that. Uh, they have the Postani brand and they have the Pospeach brand. They announced a new cigar this week mm. with yes. Matt Boo's called The Shepherd. I got to get that. It's yep. the yes. Yep. I've seen I've seen Mike posting him smoking it. Yeah, they have to get it. Yeah. And they don't brand those collaborations outside of Skip Postani. Postani is mm. strictly Nick Nika Sueno. Um, let me pull this up. I got to just tell you um, the, the blend for the shepherd. OK. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, bl I, the blend I, for the shepherd. OK. Uh, the wrapper is really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. The binder is yeah. strong enough to keep it all together. Yeah. And uh -huh. the filler is leprechaun magic with a dash of fairy dust. <laughs> there. So. Uh, so you know they've done uh, they've done <laughs> there. There's funny shit with their. That's just, that's, that's there's, classic. There's uh, funny shit right that there. they do because um like. There was one. Remember they? Did you remember the one they did? Uh, it was called the BDP, the Mike yes. Palmer one. Yes. Uh, so this is what they had, but a blend there: a Hyperborean sun-grown Toro wrapper, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. filler and binders from the island of Nauru. Oh God! Um, so I guess they were really working closely with the farmers on that Pacific island. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, I mean, and they did that with yeah. Cordobo and Morales, those guys. So I, I've had oh, okay, I've had uh, 
Uh, I've had Matt Booth on the show where he's talked about a cigar and he talks about it's like aged cellophane and stuff like that. So he yeah. likes to uh, yeah that you you mix it up. Yeah. So the, so the, the blend we just got for the Shepherd is probably the most details you've ever gotten on a blend from Matt Booth. And, and <laughs> but but Mike's doing the same thing now with his line. So hey, so go yeah. for it. So it was a, yeah, it was a, a, a very. In, I'm sure that Leprechaun Magic. Uh, we'll ask Mike about the Leprechaun Magic and exactly Definitely. what that was when we uh, have him on the show. <laughs> well, I hey, if it's anything like that collaboration for the Bangarang, like you got to get this cigar ASAP. Yeah, yeah. I know we. I know uh, Nielsen just found some Bangarangs recently. So oh, he sent me one. He sent me one. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, a yeah. great cigar. Yep, yep. I'm glad I had a chance yep. to try yep. that. Um. But new music, so let's go with the 45. Enough enough about Mike's great cigars. Yeah. Oh, I'll make one more point. You know that Warbear, yeah. uh, the Warbear Toro that got the high rating? Yep. I've recently gone through a re-smoke, and that cigar is holding that high rating. Ooh. So, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where that lands. It's definitely going to be high at the end of the year. I can tell you that. So I got to say, after this segment, Mike's ego just has to be on, like, you know. Yeah. Cloud nine. And yeah, Mike's got to be on cloud nine. If he, yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, no, that's great. I mean, yep. it's a great cigar. Yep, yep. Uh, New Music 45. I tried to go, I started off with the C vibe. I went with Jem Cassadaly mm-hmm. with Changes. Now, she's an Australian singer. She is the daughter of Australian indigenous country icon, Troy Cassadaly, who I've talked about on the show before. Yep. Um, she's got kind of a country pop sound, great voice. So if you want to check out some Australian music, that's Jem Cassadaly with Changes. Uh, I had a hard time finding another new track with a C, so I said forget it. <laughs> so talking about 90s, this is uh, Suede Coop. She still leads on me. New single from a 90s like alt-Brit pop band. Um, I'm in love with this track. I love it. It's got this kind of Brit glam vibe it's a killer song so uh so yeah. that, that killer so they're coming with a new record out soon so i highly recommend that i like that kind of sound too in that yeah. oh i think you'll like this track yeah yeah i gotta check that one. i had nine chance to going out before the show but i will i think you'll like it um now album archaeology went with the c bc boys check your head Iconic nice. record that's going to change. It definitely changes the trajectory of the band, but it changes hip hop. I think forever. The idea of like these live instruments and incorporating sort of the skater punk offshoot of hip hop. It's just a great record, and it also has, you know, some hip hop respect. So you got, um, you know, Q-Tip and others love this record. Q-Tip will then be on you know, ill communication and other stuff. So it also shows their like hip hop cred. Um, so what you want is probably the lead single. Everybody knows then Jimmy James and pass the mic. Great record. Yeah. Um, which uh, I think that, I don't know if I, I, th- I picked, which I picked for, um, for the nineties, the nineties show. Yeah. But, uh, uh, which had a nice, record. I thought they were going to make a little bit of a run and then it, um, they kind of crushed well, and burned. It was not to round. be, but yeah. great record, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Alanis knocked it out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That was a little bit of an upset, yeah. But no, that's it. That's it, Coop, for a great show on C. Great show on C. 
Um, thanks again, Dave. Thanks to our audience uh, for tuning in. Um, we will be back. We'll announce the next show and the date for that upcoming. So just stay tuned for our social media channels on that. And uh, we'll wrap up primetime episode, uh, primetime jukebox episode 72 into the annals of history for this early June 2022 edition. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>